This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. Did you know that using DistroKid's Teams function, you can route any percentage of your track earning to a band member or collaborator? This is a free feature for all DistroKid members. Take advantage of this awesome function and so many more using our DistroKid discount link. distrokid.com slash VIP slash MPW. Uh, what am I saying? <laughs> this is MPW, 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 the podcast with your host, Zylo Aria. Cool. A podcast about music production for the everyday musician, where we learn from experienced studio engineers and each other. Michelle Ewan is the Business Development Manager for Chartmetric. She studied psychology, mental health and entertainment business at NYU before starting at Chartmetric. She is passionate about developing the intersection of music and data on a global cross-cultural scale and has engaged in learning and analysing the different global music markets and how they play together. Hello, Michelle, and it's great to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Good. I'm all right. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. It's such a pleasure. And I'm keen to get into our episode on data and how to use that to find your audience. But before we jump into our main topic, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you and your career in the music industry. So can you tell me how you ended up doing what you do right now and where did things start off for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I have a very non-traditional background, if you will, in that I didn't start in music or anything really related to that. I studied psychology and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I went to NYU, New York University, and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the skills that I had acquired. And it just so happened that there was a minor that I could take in entertainment business. And I, I did, I do really like music. I just never expected that to become a career or a profession of any sort, definitely not on the performance side, just for myself. And so I wasn't very aware of the business, but um, it was trying to fi- basically figure out if, if the music industry was for me, uh, trying to figure out a way to get my foot in the door as well. I'm sure you and probably people listening know how difficult that is. And the way I found my way in was um, stats um, through research That was a background that I did have very strongly from psychology and academia. And I fortunately had a professor at the time who basically helped me look at my resume, pick that out. But she also made that connection. She knew that data and analytics was a growing area in music. And so she recommended that that would be my way in. Mm, Okay. Okay. It seems really great that that professor made that connection because I guess maybe a lot of people might not see how you can put in statistics or knowledge in that into the music industry immediately. So it's really lovely that that uh, worked out that way. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I still talk to her today and tell her that I'm very grateful to her. That was really the launching point for me. That's also why I really believe in just talking to as many people as possible, you know, when you're trying to figure out what you want to do, what you can do, and then going from there, because I think there are a lot more options that we're not aware of up front. You get the kind of traditional professions, but of course there are a lot more things that you could go into. Definitely, definitely. And I think that's such a useful thing to know that there are so many different routes into this industry and it's good to consider them all, which can be hard actually at the start when you're trying to work it out. Yeah, so can you tell me, Michelle, 
What is one event in your life that if you could, you would change? Um, I mean, for the most part, I've been able to do a lot of exploration. Um, I've been fortunate to do, to do that and not really been too restricted in that sense. Like I was able to go to New York and study and start my career there. I was able to then move to Amsterdam where I'm based now and make that part of the journey as well. So there hasn't been anything in particular that I would change. If anything, I'd say it's sort of maybe the opposite in that looking towards the future and the uncertainty. I would like to know what's next. Uh, that would be great. But yeah, short of that, it's been pretty good so far. And I think that's why the uncertainty of the future also freaks me out a little bit because it has been quite a good ride so far. And wanting to make the right decision or the best decision is always hard because it could go the other way just as easily. It can, that's true. And I guess that is probably a fear for a lot of people in the music industry is how or not knowing what's next. And it's really not a linear ride, is it? So it's kind of can go in so many different directions. But maybe what helps me get through that is just knowing that any decision you make either will be a right one or you'll learn something from it. So maybe... (laughs) You know. No, that's a good point. And and that's why I do feel like not that there haven't been bumps in the road and hurdles to overcome along the way, but that's why I feel like so far, is there anything that I would change? Well, if I changed anything, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to you. <laughs> so, and you know, like I said, very happy to be here. So no, it's, it's more of looking ahead. Yes, that's great. Well, I'm very glad that things have culminated in uh, you being a guest on the MPW podcast. That makes me very happy. <laughs> But Thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, it's great to look at things that way and everything has brought you to the great career that you're enjoying now. So that's good. And can you tell me, Michelle, a random fact about yourself that maybe not that many people in the industry know? No, if I should say this, because I don't do it very well. But anyways, I learned how to play the drums, the drum kit. Some people know that I've played the clarinet, but I was very much on the classical side. So the drums was like a complete switch. But that's something that I want to sort of pick up again, actually, because I only did it for a couple of years. This is the reason why I don't talk about it, because I'm definitely not in any position to say like very confidently, yes, I play the drums, but it's definitely something I enjoy doing. And yeah, would like to get back into. So there's a bit. And I think it's unexpected, or at least that's the reaction, the surprise reaction I get often, because I think you don't see many women playing the drums as well, whether that's in a band or whatnot. So yeah. Yeah. Oh no, that's cool. Always great to see female drummers on stage. So love that. And yeah, I hope you do pick it up again and get back to it at some stage. Yeah. I won't be on stage anytime (laughs) soon, but definitely would like to pick it up again. Yeah, I'm sure. That's great. So getting into our episode today on data and using that to find your audience as an artist, can you tell me by starting off, how can musicians leverage the data from streaming, socials, and the general audience data to identify their target audience more effectively? Yeah, the way I like to think about, I think the word data these days, I mean, it's very much tied in with technology and and all of that advancement and development. And so it can be a bit of a scary word or a bit of an unknown. So the way I like to think about it is that really data is just more information. And I think everyone quite universally agrees, the more information you have, the better, the more well-informed. And one level deeper is that 
this information is really just feedback from your audience about what they like or maybe are not sure yet or won't say dislike but basically they're telling you how they feel in a sense about the content you're producing the music you're putting out there the art that you're creating and that is the essence of the data that's being tracked for the most part and then it's about understanding the different kinds of feedback you get a like and a comment are different they tell you different things but ultimately they paint an overall picture of the person who would you know show up to your gig or listen to your music so that's like the overarching theme i suppose okay and what important information should musicians be looking at specifically when they're analyzing this data I would make this clear. I just don't think that there is a single number to look at. Like there's no sort of magic button to push in that sense. Um, It would be great if there was, but I think the reason there are so many numbers to look at is because that feedback is coming from an audience, which is made up of people and people are multifaceted and have so many different personalities and ways that they can connect with you. That's why there are so many different numbers to look at. But I'd say what's important, especially if you're starting out, is to just get yourself on the platforms that you think are most important, that you feel comfortable with as well. I think that's another important thing. There are definitely times to push yourself, but starting something new, I think, is already a push. So getting on platforms that you're comfortable with that makes sense for you, trying to create, put out your music and content there, then you can start to look at the numbers. You have to do something first. You have to put out music first before we can analyze anything. So that's definitely the first step. And then you can get into the numbers. And so listeners, views, comments, all of that. But I think what a lot of people are looking for now is the engagement side of things, that connection directly. You can look at stream counts. That does tell you one aspect, which is basically how many times people are listening to your music, but it doesn't tell you really how they feel about your music, why would they would show up to your show. So looking anything for that really paints a picture of that direct relationship and the engagement that's happening there, I think is the key now and probably will be for quite a while into the future. Okay. And when we're talking about engagement, are we talking specifically about social media and like likes and comments? Or is there something else that we should be looking at? Yeah, that's definitely a big part of it because I think social media helps to tie in. It is the digital social aspect. Streaming can be something to do socially, but it can also, there are passive ways to stream as well in the background in some kind of other context. So yes, social media likes comments. Some services like Trimetric tracking services do also have engagement rates and you can understand how to read that specific number across different platforms uh, and then kind of incorporate that into your strategy. But I think it's always about like the conversion points. So converting listeners to followers or um, social media onto streaming, TikTok to Spotify, like building out that whole profile, which is why I always hesitate to give any particular metrics just because then I understand wanting to focus on that to make it simpler. But as I said, there's people that we're looking at and unfortunately kind of complicated. Yeah. Okay. So in the scenario that you are an artist and you have been putting out music and you've been active on social media and say you have an upcoming release and you have an account with Chartmetric, how would you go about using that 
data to plan your released strategy? I would look at the platforms that I'm on, see what data is available for those. And especially I think if you're just starting to put music out there, you might just begin by looking at who you're reaching. So there's this sort of, I wouldn't call it a formula, but um, sort of a several steps in the process of getting a fan or uh, developing an audience. So you reach them first, you get heard first, you get in front of people first. That's the reach. Then there's the engagement point where you interact with them, they interact back with you, that you're forming a relationship. Then there's a conversion point where they become followers. And not just that they are following you, but I think the important thing about a follower or a subscriber is that they click that button because they want updates about you. That's the key point because they want to know what's going on with you. That shows that kind of conversion because they want to know what you're doing, basically. They won't just scroll past you on Instagram. And then after that, there are other steps of merchandising and the further kind of fandom area. But those three steps in the beginning. And so if I just put music out and I just started my career, I would probably be looking at reach first. So to see who's starting to listen, what kinds of playlists, what kind of themes do they assign to the playlist name to see what context, you know, is it in the shower, is it in the car, that they're listening to my music, is it during yoga or something? I don't know. There is pieces of information you can gather there, but I definitely think that first step would just, yeah, be to see the reach and, and also try to reach in other ways as well. You can stream, you can also create a mailing list so that you can get that direct contact in order to prepare for your next step of engagement as well, which is then, you know, once they subscribe, they say, yes, I want you to have access to my email so that I can stay updated on you. Then you can move into the interacting. And that's also very much putting you forward towards converting into a fan as well. So that's how I would start by looking at it. Definitely the reach area and see, because not only can you look at the numbers, but you can also start to look at on Trimetric, for example, you can start to look at um, where they are. You might expect to see locations of your friends and family, but you might see other people for some other reason. You can try to figure that out. And then you can also see sort of more demographic information about sort of what age, what gender approximately are they, and build some sort of a profile of who you are, who your music is reaching. Okay. So one thing you mentioned there about finding out how your listeners are consuming your music, whether it's during yoga or in the shower, is that information on Chartmetric? That's information that I think you can get, especially in an early stage from playlists, because people title or name their playlists, usually things that they're doing, or there's like a reason for creating a playlist. Sometimes there's no particular information you can glean from it. Like some some of my playlists are just random emojis and there's, there's nothing deep about that, but people will create playlists for like um, a festival they're going to with their friends or like a study playlist to, you know, prepare for an exam or something. So you can sort of figure out from there potentially what kind of context people are listening to your music in. This is what I'm saying, that there's no direct this is how people are listening to music and that's laid out in front of you on the page, but you can try and look at these things. And particularly when you're starting off and your music is probably getting on friends and family playlists, user-generated third-party playlists, they're more likely to title it something that I think you can glean information from as opposed to a big genre playlist like Rap Caviar, which, yeah, just tells you that it's for people who listen to this genre. 
Okay. So that is assuming you have fans that would add you to their playlist and then you'd look at this data. So let's talk a little bit about getting added to a playlist in that case. Can you use the data that you might find, say, on Chartmetric to approach user-generated playlists and how would you go about doing that? You can in that there is a huge database of playlists on Chartmetric and a huge database of curators as well. The only thing is that we are very mindful of is that we are a public platform. So our Chartmetric is a public platform in that anyone can create a subscription, anyone can create an account. So where possible, we do try to include some sort of contact information or at least some kind of social media so that you can reach out to a curator. But that's with a caveat that not all curators want to be reached out to or contacted. And so we are very respectful of that and mindful of it. And so while you can find ways to contact them, we're not primarily like a Yellow Pages contact list for playlists and curators. So I think it's still a combination of if there are social media links on Trimetric, you can. And then there is some internet sleuthing <laughs> to do as well if you would like to find them. But I think at least it helps to figure out again, what kind of playlists you could approach. We definitely do provide analysis of what types of tracks, what types of artists, where they're from, what genres, uh, when the playlist is updated. I think that's very helpful to know when to potentially contact a curator, not when the playlist is being updated because they've already set by that time their list for the week or you know for their updating schedule. So more on one of their so-called off days. They don't have off days, <laughs> um, but one of the days where they are curating that list, then I think they would be more receptive to hearing demos and tracks and things come in. So that's the kind of analysis that we provide. It would be ideal to be a one-stop shop for everything, but maybe in the future. <laughs> okay. So say you have an account with Chartmetric and you have music out. So you were mentioning you can get information on what you could pitch to. So what does that look like? Is it recommended playlist to pitch to or is it, you know, putting your music into a genre that you can look for playlists on? What, what does that look like? There are playlist recommendations based on the playlist that you're looking at or based on the sometimes the artists that you're looking at or the other profiles that exist on the platform. If we're talking about playlist information specifically, there's also information on like how long do tracks stay on the playlist? That can be useful as well because if the turnover is just every week, don't expect to get anything more out of that. Whereas some playlists have a longevity of six months or more, three to six months, more than that. Also, you can see what kind of tracks those curators look for because some playlists are focused on new tracks. Some playlists are more focused or more receptive to older catalog tracks. If you are sending your new release in, they only do older catalog tracks, then maybe you want to reconsider because they might just skip over your submission. Or you at least reconsider the way that you phrase the message that you send in, right? Because I think the hardest thing seems to be for playlists is catching the curator's attention and getting them to take that first step and then listen to your music because hopefully most artists submitting their music will be very confident of the what you've the art that you've created so it's about 
making that connection and making it as easy as possible for people to say, yes, I want to click on this email and listen to what's going on or I want to find out more essentially. Okay. So why is shadowing other artists on Chartmetric a useful way to identify your own audience? Because especially when you're starting out, I get this question a lot, which I understand that there's not much to look at. And it is because, I mean, you've just just started. If you don't release anything, we can't <laughs> we can't analyze anything either. But if you want to try to get an idea of which direction to go in or what kind of artists are currently in the market, you know, what kind of images and sounds people are interested in, these are things that you can look at, take a look at other artists on the platform, understand how they're doing, what they did, how they did it. Strategies change over time as well with the advent of technology, the way that music is now marketed has shifted drastically to what it was before. And But at the same time, there are also a lot of similarities to how things are being marketed as, as they were before. So it's about understanding the landscape. I think uh, knowing the bigger picture can always be helpful to figure out where you would fit into it. So that's why I think it, it's very helpful to look at other artists too. Mm, okay. And looking at the data, what would you say are the biggest considerations or potential problems that musicians need to be aware of when using audience data for their releases or coming up with strategy? Yeah, this maybe sounds counterproductive to everything I just said, but the data doesn't exist in a vacuum that you need to know, understand additional context, which is why, like I said, to your previous question, it's good to understand more about what other people are doing as well. You don't have to rely entirely on what they're doing to determine what you should do, but having that context, understanding which platforms are present in different markets, how that affects things is useful. Trying to understand the algorithm for better or for worse, that's what we're working with at the moment for a large part. And so if you can understand that, you can understand how to get your music heard. And also just knowing that the data is as good as the people reporting it or where the source that it comes from. So I don't think there is, as much as this trimetric has worked towards in many senses, but as much as we would like there to be, there isn't necessarily just one place to get all that information at the moment. Not yet, maybe in the future. But so just understanding that what exactly these platforms provide will, I think, also give a lot of clarity in understanding the issues of it as well. For example, trimetric basically shows you your digital profile, your profile across streaming and social media. At the moment, we don't have a lot of live data. It's something that we're working on. But yes, there are a lot of artists who, who are mainly touring or live musicians, and that might not show up necessarily on their digital profile. That's something you could work towards. I think there's a benefit to boosting both sides and having them benefit each other. But just then that could be seen as a pitfall of the platform and of data in general, or it could be that you understand why it is that way at the moment and then work from that point. Mm. Okay. That's good to know. And does Chartmetric use any AI integration at the moment to say, suggest any sort of marketing strategies or any other sort of AI? It's like you work at Trimetric too. Um, no, uh, we don't right now, but that's something that we're working on. So that's a good question. 
yeah, I was like, you can see what we're doing um, without you know, being at the company. But yeah, it's something that we're looking into. Um, I think everyone's looking into AI at the moment. And yeah, it is an interesting area, but there's nothing solidified yet. So I don't have anything to share in that sense. But we're definitely wanting to stay ahead of the curve and also see what the most beneficial way would be to integrate that kind of thing into the platform. Yeah, that would be an incredible feature <laughs> to have for sure. It would. I would say also I'm curious to see, you know, if and when we do productionize it, how it fares, because AI is also, it's on a brand new development, but there is still work to be done. And on the ethical and the liability side of things where I would be cautious, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll get there first and then then we'll figure it out. That is true. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and are there any new trends or technologies that musicians should know about when it comes to using data? Um, I think a lot of people or businesses are creating some interesting new products that could be useful, like Lalo is a popular one. I think on the marketing side, Unheard is also uh, developing basically like a data-driven yeah, marketing strategy as well to, to provide recommendations to do all those things for you. Take that next step beyond Trimetric, help with the analysis and also actionable items. There are several of these platforms and I think they're all taking, I guess, the next step so that... I don't think you necessarily at this point need an analyst on an artist team, for example. It could be helpful, but particularly when you are just just starting out, I don't think you need that yet. What's more important is to get yourself set up on each of these platforms, understand how to distribute digitally, organize yourself know that when you release music, there's a whole bunch of planning that goes into it. When you do a campaign, the ones that work beautifully are the ones that have been planned out a year or something like that in advance, right? To make sure that everything flows well. So organizing yourself, understanding finances, all of these things. And there are multiple apps and people who consult or work or, or have developed technology in these areas. So I think it's important to grasp that first, that will give you a really good foundation to then do analysis and grow. And then you can really kick off from there. Now we are jumping into our speed quiz. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> so it's five quick fire questions. The first thing that pops into your mind. So cold weather or hot weather? Cold. Ooh. Festival or rave? Oh, uh, festival. Animals or people? <laughs> people. <laughs> <laughs> live DJ or live band? Oh, that's really hard. Um, I'm going to go with live band. Okay, okay. Melody or lyrics? Melody. Okay. That was pretty speedy, Michelle. I think we almost got you there on question four, but you did well. <laughs> no, that, that one was hard. I mean, a few of them, yeah, but no, <laughs> that was good. Anyway, you made it. You made it. So coming to our top tips, can you tell me what is your one top career tip? Just talk to people, ask people. Um, don't be afraid to ask. I'm really big on that. I think that's how I've gotten to where I am at right now and hopefully will carry me forward in the future as well. But trying as 
much as possible to not be shy and ask. I know it can be a personality thing sometimes and everyone's different kind of character and charisma. I think it also goes back to if you don't speak up, you never know. So that would be the biggest thing. And also that sometimes the people you're talking to also don't know what they're looking for yet. So it's a two-way street. So if you can help them understand really what you want to do, what you're passionate about, then um, it's possible to go from there. Or or even just help them understand more about your circumstance. Because I would say as well that I've talked to many people who want to follow their passion in music. But sometimes at the time that we're talking, I, I tell them, you probably need to make some money first. <laughs> and then you can go back into this. But because it's not easy. Um, you do have to consider, you know, rent, utilities, f- feeding yourself, everything like that. So without trying to overshare, but definitely just ask people and talk to them and see what you can glean and kind of like critically understand from the situation. Mm, definitely good tip there to ask questions. And if you don't ask, you don't get. I think that's very, very true. So what is your one top self-care tip? Stay away from technology at least 30 minutes that's never works. But I try to tell myself to just like put away my phone, my computer, everything just for at least one break a day. If you can do longer, if you can do more frequently, great. But I try to distance myself from that so I don't like react every time my phone pings or there's a notification on my computer so that I can just chill and go for a walk without worrying, hang out with friends and really be more present. Because I found that with all the apps and notifications and stuff, my attention is constantly in multiple different directions because I am so aware of these things. And so just trying to center myself a bit more so I can just enjoy what I'm doing as well. For sure, for sure. And did you say 13 minutes? No, 30. Oh, okay. Three zero. <laughs> I was like, Michelle, you can do better than 13, surely. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. 30 minutes. Um, and that's at the least. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hopefully longer. Yeah, yeah, no, 13. 13 would also be a weirdly specific yeah. number. It's like a power nap or something. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 30 minutes, yeah. So the last question, what is your one top general life tip? Just try to do things with the best information you have at the time. Basically, it's not a hard and fast rule, but I try to do things so that I don't regret not doing them later. It doesn't work out all the time. Sometimes I tell myself, oh, I'll just do this later. And then when I have to do it, I'm like, yeah, I should have just, I don't know, done my laundry at that point or washed the dishes or whatever it is, gone to that festival. But yeah, just trying to make the most of what I have at the moment. And despite what I said earlier, don't worry too much about the future. You know, have some belief that all the work I've put in so far, it will work out. I'll figure the next steps and also to just really enjoy right now as well. Make the most of every time that I'm in, you know, make sure that I'm happy, the people around me are happy, that we're all doing well. It's not really a life tip, but <laughs> that's how <laughs> I try to approach things. So if that's helpful, there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there is definitely something to take away from that as well. And I'm all for planning and setting goals and all of that. Sometimes with that, you can tend to be living in the what's next kind of moment without really appreciating where you are now and what's going on for you now. So I think it's definitely a good reminder to think about. 
thank you so much for your time, Michelle. And I'm sure we will all take something away from looking at things in a different way with data and creating our audience. So thank you so much. No problem. I'm always happy to connect as well. Like I said earlier, feel free to reach out. I'm on LinkedIn, all the platforms. But yeah, thank you for having me. Always good to see you again as well. Pleasure. Thank you. Have a good day. My biggest three takeaways from the episode with Michelle was firstly that engagement is an important metric to track over something like streams, which is a more passive kind of consumption. And my second biggest takeaway is that shadowing other artists on a platform like Chartmetric can help you find some data on your potential audience, especially when you don't have too much data to track for yourself at the moment. My last takeaway way was to not be afraid to ask. So ask people in the industry for opportunities, for advice, because you don't get unless you ask. That's it from us this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to seeing you in two weeks.